so much news. There's just so much news. And as a result, we think that the biggest story of the week has been overlooked. So we're going to dig a little deeper. That's right. We said we were going to have a pre-recorded show this week and take a break from our topical content. But too much has happened this week. So here we are, ready to go again. And the holiday season is approaching, so why not give us the gift of finding us on social media? You can follow us on at Space and Things One on Twitter, or get involved at Space and Things Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. But wherever you are and however you're listening, we hope that you enjoy episode 16 of the Space and Things Podcast. You're listening to the Space and Things Podcast with Emily Carney and Dave Giles. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. This is uh, this is unscheduled. We were supposed to be doing something different, um, but it, yeah, last week was just nuts, wasn't it, Emily? Just absolutely crazy. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah, I, I just figured that we had to try and get an episode out, otherwise we're, we're failing in what we're trying to do here. So uh, that's what's happening this week. But before we do get started, I have one thing I want to talk about. It's the fifth anniversary of the British astronaut Tim Peake's flight to the International Space Station. And uh, to celebrate, I actually have been given a copy of Tim Peake's new book uh, by his publisher, which I'm going to give away to one of our Patreon uh, subscribers. So if you are part of our Patreon group, then please do log on. There'll be some details of how you can get involved and how you can get your hands on this book. Um, so please go and do that. And uh, it's not too late. If you Feel free to sign up to Patreon this week and you can get involved too. That's at patreon.com forward slash space and things. Awesome. As we said, so much to talk about, so let's just get on with it, shall we? Yep. Okay, we're off to a good start, Flight Cool. Okay, look, it's just beginning to get silly. There's just so many launches! Uh, so therefore, I think it, it would be wise going forward if we only do a brief run-through of what's happened and pull out the important things as they happen, or this podcast just becomes a list of launches. Uh, I will have a continue to post the... the that very list within the show notes uh, with video links and other information that if you want to learn more or rewatch. Um, for example, this week we had another long march launch in China. The United Launch Alliance finally got their Delta IV heavy launch away for the NROL 44 mission. SpaceX had another Falcon 9 launch. We had a launch in Russia of the second orbital flight of the Angara A5 rocket, which is a, which is a big one. Uh, we had another Electron launch by Rocket Lab in New Zealand, carrying in a Japanese payload, and as we record this, uh, Astra have launched their Rocket 3 from Alaska, and it reached space this time, although it hasn't reached orbit. So you can see what I mean about it just becoming a list. If you really want to know more about these, just check out the, the links in the show notes. Yeah, uh, I was actually really thrilled because uh, I forgot what night of the week it was, but uh, last week I did see the Delta Four Heavy launch uh, from my vantage point in St. Petersburg. Nice. Because of its trajectory, it was kind of hard to see because uh, from my vantage point, we have a lot of trees. So I, right. I saw it, you know, over the trees, you know, and it kind of ro rose up and then it went directly east, which was really weird. Um, of course, it's a it's a secret payload. So I, uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but uh, yeah, it kind of had a weird trajectory. It looked like it was uh, going polar or something, maybe. 
Uh, other orbital launches look a lot different. So that was kind of different for me. So it was really cool, though. It, it was quite visible from here. We've mentioned this uh, this launch a few times because it scrubbed a few times quite dramatically, getting getting right down to the last few seconds before before uh, scrubbing or aborting. Um, so it, it was nice to finally see this one get off. Uh, and it's an impressive rocket as well. Some of the photos I've seen of this launch have been outstanding. It's it's, it's really quite something. So, uh, yeah, it, it is nice that this one's finally got away. Uh, and, and I'm sure it's a big sigh of relief to everyone at the United Launch Alliance as well. Oh, yeah. And it was really, I mean, even though I'm a ways out from there, it was, uh, you could, I could see everything. Like uh, from here, I could see uh, I didn't see the boosters fall off, but I could tell when that happened because it flickered out. And then, Interesting. You could, and then you could tell when the uh, uh, center core throttled back up again because it got brighter. And I was like, wow, I did not expect to see that from this far out. So that's yeah. really cool. So yeah. um, it, was a, it was a night launch, right? Yeah. So obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. And it was beautiful. It was perfectly clear where I was. It, it was cold, so I was freezing. But uh, other than that, it was it was really... It was really cool to see from here. I think that's my third Delta IV Heavy launch that I've seen. I've seen two of them up close. One of them was a EFT-1, and the other one was the, um, uh, I think, the Parker Solar Probe. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I guess with the when the when the temperature's a bit cooler as well, from your vantage point, it probably makes things even easier to see because you don't have the heat haze and the heat pollution in the air. Exactly, um, so. yeah. It's a lot easier to see. Um yeah, Florida can be kind of challenging for launches. We don't have the kind of fog. Vandenberg gets fog because it's the mountains. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we don't have that as much. But in the summer, we have storms. Uh, obviously, it's cloudy. And also, you have like that heat, you know, sort of the heat rising. And it can. So, yeah, it can be challenging sometimes. But uh, this time of year, it was it was perfect. So uh, it was absolutely awesome. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, definitely no curse this week. Fantastic. Yeah, Fantastic. finally. Yeah, I think I'm beating it. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. I will go on with the rest of the news because uh, there's a lot of other cool stuff that did happen this week. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the story, which seemed to get the whole of the internet talking, was the SpaceX uh, Starship SN8 high altitude test in Boca Chica, Texas last Wednesday night, which... Uh, <laughs> Crashed spectacularly right at the end while trying to land due to uh, problems with the pressure and fuel tank. Of course, uh, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk uh, came out uh, very shortly uh, after to declare the mission a success. uh, And the whole launch and crash has flooded the Internet with many wonderful videos. And uh, this was really incredible to watch. Uh, I I watched it when it was happening. Um, I did not expect it, honestly, uh, I, I want to emphasize it was a test. So uh, test missions do tend to fail a lot, um, especially rocket tests. So that's really nothing new. Um, I, I see some internet outlets have kind of been like, you know, it crashed and burned and stuff like that. Well, you know, that's kind of the point with a lot of test flights, uh, especially when you're testing uh, rockets. Uh, I know uh, in the early in the early days in U.S. rocketry, we certainly had a ton of failures, <laughs> some of them more spectacular than others. Um, and you'd rather have it fail on the pad than, you know, fail with people in it or fail mm. in the testing stage and fail with people in it. So um, 
but I was honestly shocked it went as well as it did and it flew as well as it did and it, it did the end maneuver when it was trying to land, you know, as well as it did. So I was really impressed with that and uh, I honestly think the next time they're going to nail it. I really do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to get to that point is ridiculous and, and it looked so good in the air. Uh, I mean, it's such a crazy spaceship, isn't it? I mean, it is a spaceship. I know, I know that's a that's a very childish thing to call them, and I I fall into that trap a few times. But this definitely looks like what we would consider a spaceship. It's it's so sci-fi and, and looks like it's from a TV show, and there it is, like going about its business. Obviously, it wasn't uh, destined for space. This one, so it was very slow off the pad, which is also really weird to see something comes that slowly off when it get, when it got going. But then the rest of it was like, wow, look at that in the air, the way it turned over. It was just this is special. This is really exciting. Um, and then yeah, at the end, did the maneuver, and then just the final hurdle, just just kind of kind of didn't work. Uh, but by that stage, it was it had been so exciting that it it was great to see that big explosion. I know it's so stupid; we don't like seeing it, but it was it was kind of wow. If it's gonna go, that's the way to do it. Yeah, uh, exactly. It went out. It went out big. So yeah, yeah, ab- um, absolutely. The explosion part really it's funny because um, normally you you see stuff you know explode and it's like oh you know oh crap you know and. Honestly, it didn't really bother me because I was like, well, it's a test. They'll get it right again next time. You know, I have a lot of faith. I remember when um, SpaceX was doing the uh, the initial testing the Falcon uh, boost back and landings, and they couldn't get it right the first few times. Uh, some of them were pretty spectacular, like it would just bounce off the, the deck of the recovery <laughs> ship. And I was like, oh, dang it. You know, and they got it, and eventually they got it right. So I, I have a lot of faith that they're going to, nail the next one yeah me too i mean they've built their whole philosophy on the idea of learning from failure uh jesse anderson their lead manufacturing engineer who hosts a lot who's like the presenter for a lot of the spacex um broadcasts uh her pinned tweet says in sen- in so many ways failure is the key to success it's the it's the philosophy that just runs through the core of the of the company so it's no surprise when elon musk comes out uh, after after the explosion and says that it was a success i mean it's just what how that how that company works and you know <laughs> i know he's not everyone's favorite and uh, he's not always my favorite uh, but but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I'll say. Well, that company, they're doing something right. Although the very next day, or next day, the next couple of days, when they were rolling out SM9, oh, yeah. they somehow somehow seemed to crash it into the side of the wall. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, oops. <laughs> that can't have been a good day for no. them. Oops, exactly. Mega expensive oops. Yeah, it happens. It Abs- does happen. Absolutely. Oh boy. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh man. No, oh, dang it. That sucks. So yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched this launch, I suggest we will put videos in. Uh, well, I'll put the official SpaceX video in, in the description. But then if you've got time, I do suggest. So what happens on the internet, if you're not aware of this, um, people live stream the launches with their own commentary. This happens. There's there's quite a few of these accounts which do this, and they're op- often good because they offer different insight. There's some experts and this kind of thing, and 
quite a few of this of, of this mission are worth watching for the reactions of the people listening. There is yeah, <laughs> there's some crazy reactions, and they're very entertaining. People were just generally stunned by what was going on, both in flight and and the crash. So uh, if you've got some time, just maybe have a little look around on YouTube and look for some of these reactions. I mem- I know Scott Manley was tweeting about it, saying that he was looking forward to spending the night watching everyone's reactions because uh, he'd heard there was some good ones, and they're definitely are. I'm going to say it. My one criticism of SpaceX is that there are certain people who take it too personally. Yeah, the fans, the diehards. I'm, I mean, I've got the hat. I've yeah, got a SpaceX a hat. I love what they're doing. Their rockets are great. But at the end of the day, this is spaceflight. And although competitiveness is healthy within business, this hardcore competitive edge that the fans are giving it is almost uncomfortable, especially when we're not seeing it from the top. Jeff Bezos of Blue Origin did a wonderful Instagram post congratulating SpaceX on the success of SN8's launch. So we're not seeing it from above, yet for some reason downstairs there's this really unnecessary anger towards other companies or countries. So um, I do have theories about why that stuff happens. Um, If you notice, oh my God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm going to get canceled. Not trying to be <laughs> reverse sexist or sexist, but I notice it's all guys doing that or major. It seems like all men doing that. Yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, boy. I don't know how to word this nicely. Um, I noticed that some men, not all men, I don't want to paint, you know, I don't want to use a very large paintbrush or anything like that because I don't feel that way about everybody, obviously. But some guys are really into the idea of like feuds like this versus this or this versus this. And you'll even notice it when they talk about classic space flight because they'll they make it like shuttle versus Apollo, you know, like shuttle sucked and Apollo was the greatest and. You know, and uh, there's really no competition between them. Uh, I don't know why, you know, I think some people, I don't even know if it's men, really. I think some people just love the idea of, you know, there's got to be this fight or something. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be like this, you know. I think if we ditched that mentality, we'd all be a lot better off. It's a weird thing when when, when running a... a a podcast or anything like that or anything on YouTube and you and you have to fill in the 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 um the tags they're called tags at the bottom and they kind of help people the search engine and when you start putting in things like SpaceX or Falcon 9 or Falcon Heavy the suggested the suggestions are all Falcon Heavy versus Saturn 5 that it's it's almost like they know that people are searching for these things, these these conflicts, these yeah. my car's bigger than your car, my dad's stronger than your dad kind of kind of vibe, uh, which is so unnecessary. Is it human nature? Is it part of toxic masculinity? I'm not really sure where it fits in, um, but you're right. It does fuel a lot of what you see, and it's not just in spaceflight, of course not, but because we've got big rockets. Probably, it probably does generate a lot more of that, those kind of conversations. They do it with everything. Like, uh, I say they, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> no, they, it is a they. And it is, a, whether it's a small minority or a slightly bigger minority, it still happens. And I don't really see what the end game is or who really wins in this scenario. So, yeah, it, 
it's kind of ridiculous. And you're not seeing it from above. You're not seeing the bosses of these companies get involved with this uh, this petty this pettiness. Uh, so I just yeah, I just don't understand it, Emily. They they do it with everything, like uh, because of uh, my role in space hipsters, I've been taking a task a lot, just on a lot of different subjects. You know, and people will start try to start feuds with us over, you know, every, just everything. And somebody just this week was like trying to like set up a feud between me and like another space historian, you know, like, well, I don't like Emily, but I like this other person better. And I'm like, me and this other space historian, we're very different. Like, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that like we both do we focus on different topics. Therefore, there's space for both of you the same way that there's there's yeah. room for all the different rocket rocket companies doing different things. Yeah, we do different things. And I think, you know, we both bring something to the table. Absolutely. So it doesn't so it doesn't mean we have to have this fight between us, you know, like <laughs> I just think that's ridiculous. Like, I don't want to fight with anybody. I think, you know, it's just crazy. But I think a lot of people I want to say men. Oh my God. A, a lot of men are really into that idea of there's got to be this feud. And I'm like, I I think if we got away from that idea and just, you know, tried to appreciate everybody for their, you know, their peace, we'd be a lot better off. So, mm-hmm. uh, do, do you know what? I think you see women build each other up a lot more than you do men. Uh, men are more, there is this whole toxic masculinity. Maybe it's to do with that. I don't know. But, uh, you see women's groups trying to build each other up and help each other out more. Um, men seem to be more destructive of each other. Uh, we've got sidetracked here, but 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 this this all does come out of that discussion. And essentially, I mean, you're even seeing it within the debates over. You know, China have just just done something very cool, and I've seen a lot of stuff online. Um, and I, maybe I have a different perspective on this because I'm English, but there's a lot of chest-thumping Americans out there uh, that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable sometimes when these things come up because they get so defensive or aggressive about how their country is doing or what what's going on between country and country. When Why can't we just celebrate when a company or a country just does something cool? Because it's we all learn something from that. We all benefit from it. It shouldn't be... Groups against groups. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, I find it very frustrating personally. I was in the military, so there is a part of me that does have a, you know, kind of a nationalism. Like, yeah, you know, we landed on the moon and we put humans on the moon and stuff. So there's sort of a part of me that's like that. A little, not, it. it's not important to me as much as we got humanity on the moon. Yeah. But I can also appreciate the programs that, other nations did like the soviets had lunacod on the moon did a lot of real time stuff on the moon at the time in the 70s which was incredible i mean that was a, that was really cool mm. that they were able to do that and it was all in real time they were able to observe the moon surface you know and they had actual people driving it from the ground which is really neat um i can appreciate what China has done and what other, you know, Japan is doing stuff with, you know, asteroids and stuff. I mean, I don't know. I, I view us all as players, sort of, and I think we all have different skills. Like, um, I said this one time, uh, I think on Space Hipsters years ago, and I got a lot of flack for it, and I was shocked. I think that the Soviet space program 
as far as, you know, um, establishing space stations and maintaining them, you know, over a long period, like, you know, having them habitated or having people on them for long periods of time since the 70s, to me, that's that's equivalent to the Apollo program because they really established that. Like, yeah. we had a space station, but then we didn't use it again. And it took us about 20 more years to get back into that. Yeah. Whereas the Soviets just kept, you know, doing it a little more and more and more and more and more. And I, I really think that's a big achievement, you know, and I think that's almost equivalent to, you know, what we did on the moon, you know, as far as, okay, they pioneered a certain area that we didn't, you know? Yeah, sure. And they're both important. Yeah, and they both have importance. Like, we figured out how to explore the moon and how to get there, you know, but the Soviets figured out how to live in space for really long periods of time. Yeah. You know? And I think they're both equally important, and I think I said that, and people were in my messages like, how dare you, you know, that, you know... They're, they're, you know, not a capitalist. They were not capitalist, you know, and st- it got very political. And I was like, I didn't mean it as a diss against my own country. I meant it as, you know, they were trying to achieve and see, okay, what happens to the human body after 200 and something days in space, you know? And they achieved that before we did. And I think that deserves a lot of credit because that's something that took us a long time to figure out, you know, and, we're still figuring it out. So, yeah. But I didn't mean it as like, you know, the United States versus the Soviets or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got sidetracked there a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> it, it does, it does all come back to it. And, and with all these different, you know, bringing it back to how we started this segment with all the different companies and the different uh, countries involved now. Everyone is doing different things. Everyone's got their own agendas and they're doing different things. But it's all for the greater good of exploring space, and therefore it should all be applauded when when it's going well, and we should we should all try and learn from it when it doesn't go so well. Uh, and absolutely, and that's that's what we should be looking to do. And I think within the industry, it probably is doing that more. But it's it's externally online. It there's some discourse which just is irritating. Um, but, but yeah, so great things from SpaceX this week. A load of great launches this week. Lots of different things going on. Uh, and more information in the show notes if if you want any of that kind of stuff. Uh, but right for now, I think that means we're up to date with the news. Roger 12. So if I was listening right now, I would be screaming at my phone or whatever I'm listening to the podcast on. Uh, And not because of what Emily and I just talked about, but because we have, of course, missed out what is the biggest piece of news of the last week, in my opinion. And sure, that test flight was fantastic. But just a few hours before, NASA released the names of the 18 astronauts who have been selected to be part of the early missions of the Artemis program. These are the first people that are going to head back to the moon since Apollo 17 left the moon 48 years ago this week. And while I have my doubts about whether the deadline of walking on the moon by 2024 could be met... I'm just really excited. It's happening now. And uh, this year, we all, we got, all got wrapped up in the adventures of Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley as they became the first astronauts to fly uh, on commercial spacecraft. And yeah, all they did was reach a low Earth orbit 
And the idea of there being people around the moon or on the moon and sharing the experience with us, it's just going to be impossible to take your eyes off. So with better technology, we're going to have better views of what's going on. And this group of astronauts are better prepared to take us along on that journey than our, our Apollo heroes. But also this group, this this is our generation's heroes. Like, you know, I'm in my 30s. Apollo was, as we just said, 48 years ago. These are these are the people that I'm going to get to know. Uh, and we're going to see these guys go and do something ridiculous. And we're going to be taken along with them. So to me, this was the biggest story. And this this announcement was the biggest story of last week. Yeah, I, I, I actually I saw it on. Uh, I saw it happen. Uh, this is so embarrassing. I don't know why I'm admitting this here. Um I hope my boss does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> I um cuz I'm going to get fired. But uh I went to the restroom and I pulled, you know, my phone out, you know, just to sort of check on what, you know, the news is going on and with 2020 the news cycle is nuts. Like something new happens every hour. Absolutely. So I pulled my phone out just to see, you know, okay, what the heck is going on today? And I checked and I saw that, you know, flash up on Twitter like NASA announces Artemis astronauts. I was like, "Oh, so I checked it out." And I saw the first thing I saw was the graphic that they released with um, the astronauts and their last names. So and cool. I freaked out because I was like, oh, my God, there's uh, I'm used to seeing the Apollo. I have an Apollo poster from like the 60s somewhere in my house. And it's all guys and it's all white guys, you know, and my brain is hardwired into thinking that's what moon astronauts look like. Yeah. And to see this, I was like, oh, my God, like we finally made it. I did get emotional because I was like, oh, my God, there's a there's Jessica uh, Meyer, uh is one of the uh, astronauts on there. And she's a you know, she's a Jewish astronaut. She's around my age. Uh, she's I think she's 43. So she's roughly my age. And uh, she's flown on the ISS before. She was part of the first all woman spacewalk earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Seeing her on it and being like, oh, my God, there's a Jewish woman on there. I kind of did get emotional in the bathroom and I had to, like, get it together because I was like, oh, my God, we're finally going to go there, you know, and we're going to be included for the first time. And I was just, oh, my God, I got chill. I have chills just talking about it now. It was seeing that poster. I I want that poster on my wall. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I want that poster on every wall in every classroom. Yeah, I want that poster. Yeah, exactly. These are the people that are going to the moon next. It could be any one of these 18 people. We've got nine men. We've got nine women, uh, different backgrounds, uh, different races, different religions, different sexualities, all within a, all within a, a group of 18. They're all super qualified. There's so many degrees like degrees upon degrees uh yes. and doctors and all got completely different backgrounds um in in a world where we put celebrities on pedestals for not really doing too much we've got this group of people who are the 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 limit of achievement both academically and physically and they're going to go to the moon and that, and that's the first time it's going to have happened in our, in our lifetimes uh, and i want to know more about these people and I want to know more uh, about where they've come from and what they've done and how they've got there. I think we all should want to know that. Um, you know, we've got nine rookies on on this list out, out of 18. Um, 
dates going back from uh, Stephanie Wilson, who became an astronaut in 1996, to to eight of them coming from the the group that was chosen in 2017. Um, so, you know, we've got a mixture of experience and rookies. There's, of course, plenty of time for these rookies to get some flights uh, on the space station. And, 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 and indeed, two of them are uh, due to go up on, on SpaceX Crew 3. Um, so the, you've got all this stuff happening. But we should know about these people like we... Like, like in the 60s, they knew about yeah. Frank Borman and Jim Lovell and Neil Armstrong, and they knew what missions they've done, and they had posters on their wall, and kids these days should have the same, and we should know these people. We want, we should want to know them, because these are going to be the heroes of tomorrow, like, in my opinion. Like, why, why was this bodged so bad as an announcement? NASA should have known that SpaceX were about to do that test flight and said do you know what let's just hold off let's just hold off and get this right because this deserves its own place in the news cycle that doesn't get squashed for a few days um uh, and it's just been completely washed under the car in my yeah. opinion it's been washed under the carpet not happy about Ye- it yeah yeah i'm really fired up by it uh like i said when i saw the the graphic uh, i i just flipped out i was at work like i said i was at in the bathroom you know sort of sneaking yeah you know, sneaking, I'm not supposed to do that, but sneaking, you know, look at my phone. To, and I saw that and I was like, holy crap, they got it. They really got it right this time. Absolutely. Like, it was just a perfect mix of, you know, different um, personalities and faces, different, you know, different races, different genders, different, you know, everything. And I just was like, I am all for this. This is really cool. And and yet they're all qualified. That's the key thing. It's not, they've do, they've not been selected because they're ticking boxes. They're all super qualified. It yeah. just so happens they come from these different backgrounds and and it does represent society. That's how the world should be. You know, it's not exactly it's not all one group. It's not all one, one set of people. You pull everyone together and take the best. And this is these guys look incredible. They look incredible. You look at their CVs. It's yeah. like wow. There's a term and I hate this word because it's so ugly, but there's a term called, you know, tokenism. Yes. When they select one woman or one minority to basically make something look good. Like, okay, we picked a woman. Yeah, we mm-hmm. we ticked that box off, you know, and you really can tell that NASA was not doing this. NASA was actually picking people for the aptitude that they had. You know, they're all very qualified. If you read their bios, I'm not going to read them all here because we'll be here for about 12 hours because everybody, like you said, I mean, uh, you already said it, but I mean, you just got qualifications upon, you know, qualifications upon degrees upon degrees every from every type of academic background. There is, you know, we got some, you know, um, I think uh, Jessica went to uh, Jessica Meyer. Uh, I think I'm saying her name right. I think she has been to Antarctica. I think she's done, had all sorts of um, diverse experiences. And um, Christina Cook has also had similar experiences. Very, you know, unique, you know, travel type experiences as well. You know, not just space exploration, but also world exploration. They know how to live in extreme environments. Yeah, you can tell that NASA was trying not to tick off a box. They were trying to, because as a woman... I try not to get upset about stuff like that because, you know, it's nice to be chosen to do stuff. But, you know, there are times when you kind of just feel, okay, are they just putting me here because I look good? Or am I here because they actually feel like I deserve to be here, you know? Yeah. 
and just to see that, you know, everybody is very well qualified and they didn't just try to, you know, make it dress it up. You know, I was very impressed. I felt like NASA got it right. I just I keep thinking of the poster because I remember the the Apollo poster and I saw it as a kid. You know, I think it was hanging in our school library because the elementary school I went to was built in the 60s. So there was quite a few carryovers from that time, you know? Yeah. And uh, I went to high school or high school. Uh, I went to I'm aging myself a little too much. I went to elementary school starting in the early 80s. So uh, it was right at the beginning of the shuttle program and really right at the beginning of the time when women started going to space um, in the United States. So you didn't really see us represented as much. I remember the Apollo poster because that's what was hanging up and it was all guys, you know. So to see a poster with women and, you know, um, African-Americans and just everybody represented was like, okay, I, this is awesome. Like, we finally entered the future of, okay, this is what people going to the moon look like. And the announcement video was it was just delightful. If you haven't watched it, it's in the show notes. Go and watch it because it, it just gave me tingles and there was definitely some dust in my eye, for sure. Gives you chills, yeah, it really does. And, and the more you get to know these people, the, the more amazing little stories come out. For example, Jessica Watkins and Anne McLean both have represented America in rugby. Like, there's so many great little side stories in this, and all 18 are just worth looking up and, and finding out more about them. And the more you get to know them, the more you're like, wow, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see you on the moon, <laughs> which is just nuts to think that that's, that's what we're talking about. Now, of course, I'm saying that these are the, are the next people that are going to be on the moon. They may be, you know, they may, someone else may come along and, and get there first. Uh, and, and if that happens, we'll celebrate that as well. But once again, NASA is doing everything in public and letting people know these, these are who we're doing it with. These are the guys. These are our guys. Uh, and, and I love that. And, and it's great that we've had that announcement. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, I mean, two of them, two of them are on the space station at the moment. Kate Rubins and Victor Glover are up there at the moment. Yeah. So we're already getting to chance to get to know them better. And I feel like over the last few years, actually, with, uh, with what's been going on in the space station and with, you know, with, with Christina, uh, Coke, uh, I mean, she's just incredible anyway, but with her and, and, and Anne McLean, Jess, Jess Muir, uh, I, I say Muir, but I think that's wrong. I, it's another episode of uh, Emily and Dave mispronouncing <laughs> names. Anyway, um, <laughs> we got to know them a lot more when they were on the space station for a long period of time. Just like in this country, we got to know Tim Peake a lot better when, and he's become someone that, that people know who they are. And that's the great thing about the space station. You get to know these people. And Victor Glover, you know, getting to know him over the last few weeks, he's got so much energy. And, I, you know, he's been great to get to know. So knowing that he's in this group is wonderful. And I didn't really know who he was three weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I feel like, yeah, g- give this list a, a look and get to know these people. And, and, and it, becomes, it becomes very exciting. Victor Glover is already on my... Uh awesome list because of the uh, jumper he was wearing or the the flight suit he was wearing yes. that um had skylab on it yeah woo there it is there's it there it is there's the one <laughs> the one mention i finally got it in yay but um so i was very impressed with his skylab uh his his uh jumps or his uh flight suit uh somebody i really want to know more about is um Kayla Barron because uh, she has a master's degree in nuclear engineering, which mm. is something uh, I know a little bit about. I was a nuke in the Navy, but I was enlisted. I was I 
don't have a, a degree in it, but I did uh, study it a little bit in the military. And she was on subs. She was one of the first women on subs. Yeah. So I'm really curious. She sounds like a nuke. And as an enlisted, a former enlisted nuke, I want to know more about her. Exactly. And if we have a nuke on the moon, I'm going to flip out. I'm going to be like, we finally did it. <laughs> and a woman, no less. I mean, that's like, that is like not a dime a dozen. That's like unheard of. So, because um, when I joined the military as a nuke, it was like, what? Like, there, there are, some, you know, people didn't believe it. You know, people, when I told people what I did, they were like, what no they don't let women do that and i'm like yeah they just did you know and yeah yeah to know that a, a female with that kind of background is has gone um, on to walk on has the moon. gone is going to walk on the moon is just like we finally did it you know <laughs> yeah we're finally being represented in the way we deserve to be you know yeah it's just crazy and the more you go through this list this this is amazing and for example johnny kim uh he was a navy seal and then went back to school and got a degree in mathematics, followed by a degree in medicine. <laughs> I mean, this guy's just on a different level. Yeah, you want this dude on your crew because he's going to save your life. Like, yeah. that guy, he's he's a SEAL. I mean, that is... Um, I knew people who tried to become SEALs, and they did not make it. It's extremely difficult. Like, yeah. it is one of the hardest schools, if not the hardest schools in the military. Like, it is... Not not everybody can do that. It, it it'll break you psychologically before physically you'll break down. So mm-hmm. the fact that he was able to just do that period is just insane. That's a dude you want, and he's a doctor too. So yeah, I'm very humbled looking at like all these. Um, I, I used to do this. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I used to do this uh, thing to myself, which is the dumbest thing in the planet. I used to read like other people's ret like other people's biographies and I used to read story Musgraves and I would just cry because it's like he is a doctor and a mechanical engineer and a writer and he has six PhDs or something nuts and I'm like and I'm just sitting there like um I ate a hamburger today like you know (laughs) but he he also did that (laughs) yeah and on top of it you know he's got six kids and I'm like how the heck does he find time to do anything you know so, yeah, and just reading these people's, you know, CVs, as you said, it just it's the same thing. I'm like, how did these people do all this? And they're in their 30s, you know, so. Yeah, so, so true. But, I, Joe, I also wonder what the likes of Ed Gibson or, or Harrison Smith, the, the Apollo astronauts who were scientists, think about this list. Because there is a serious attention to science within these people. There's so many different degrees represented. Sorry, there's so many, so many different fields of study represented here. You've got geology, you've got, as we said, medicine, uh, mechanical engineering, physiology, uh, doctor of medicine, m- molecular biology, cancer biology. It just goes on and on and on. You know, there's there's all these different things that are being being represented. And it looks like marine, even marine biology, which you wouldn't think would be relevant, but this time around, it's not just a vanity project of going to the moon. They're going there to learn. And they're trying to take what they do on the space station about trying to learn things that we can use on Earth. But but on the moon, it's just it's just crazy. Yeah. It's really I'm really glad you brought that up because uh earlier this year I, I was uh really blessed to interview Phil Chapman, Dr. Phil Chapman. Of course. Who uh was one of the first astronaut scientists and mm. he was uh also the first one from uh 
Australia. He was a naturalized American citizen, though. But he was basically telling me, you know, the one of the reasons he resigned because he um he resigned before he flew. He he didn't fly in space. He had an awesome career anyway. He'd be the first person to say, I didn't go yeah. to space, but I still had a pretty full life, you know. So he wasn't really bitter that he didn't fly in space. But one of his big issues with NASA in the late 60s and early 70s was they during Apollo, the lunar missions, they weren't really serious about lunar science. Yeah. Um, if you were an astronaut scientist and tried to suggest, you know, okay, these are great scientific activities to do either in m- the lunar orbit or on the moon, they'd, they'd basically be like, whatever, we're not into that, you know? And it's like, and that was really a big source of frustration for him. So to see that hopefully they're actually going to try to, you know, make some discoveries about the lunar surface, maybe try to figure out, okay, is there a chance that maybe we can use some of the materials here for something else? You know, it's, I think hopefully Artemis as, you know, Apollo is sort of a, you know, the precursor to Artemis and it's, you know, Apollo certainly taught us a lot about the moon and its surface and what it's like to walk on there and other things. Um, Hopefully Artemis will be sort of the, the you know the roadmap to you know future civil maybe who knows civilization who knows mm-hmm. i don't know i tend to look very i know that's very deep and people are probably rolling their eyes like oh my god emily you're nuts what are you talking about but i tend to think really far into the future yeah. like long term long long term because my i really think the purpose of space flight to me is really to extend our species you know, because of course, I really do think that. I mean, and well, at some point, our son is going to die. So yeah, we're talking many, 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 many years from now. Yeah. But but yeah, well, what, what do we do? Are, are we sit. We know with that knowledge, are we supposed to just sit tight and wait for that to happen, or are yeah. we supposed to figure it out somehow? Like, and and yeah. yes, yes, of course, we're not going to figure it out in our lifetime because it's too big of an issue, but. At some point, someone has to start that process. There's an old proverb, uh, an old man is planting a tree in his garden, uh, which will take far too long for him to enjoy the shade it it would generate. Uh, And his neighbor looks across to him and says, why are you planting this tree which you will never benefit from the shade from? Well, I'm sure the I'm sure the neighbor used better language than that. But anyway, and the old man replied. He said, "Well, my grandson, he may enjoy this shade, so I'm planting it for him." And that's the idea of what of what we're talking about. Someone has to plant this seed and get it started. Exactly. Like I said, I tend to think kind of far into the future, and I tend to think, okay, what can we, you know, are there any building blocks we can do now to think about extending our civilization and just to give people hope. You know, with, with that in mind, that's why I really think that announcement was so important because you can have all the rockets in the world and you can have the, the fanciest rockets in the world. It's gonna be it's gonna be what people do in them that it's gonna inspire those back home, and those people that are in those rockets are gonna be the ones which which inspire that kid or, or make some something happen. And to me, therefore, the announcement of the people is a bigger deal than a test flight of a rocket which might get us there. I, d- I don't know. For me, that's that's a personal thing. I love the rockets. I like the people a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, spaceflight is really... I agree. Uh, I, I'll keep it short because this is another like hour-long topic. <laughs> 
But the reason why I love space flight is because of the people. Absolutely. You know? I really like, I like talking to people and I, I, I'm one of those people, you know, I've always had a million friends and I love to talk, you know, I just love to talk to people about it and people in the field. I, I don't know. It is about the people for me. And, and while we're talking about people, I, I wonder if the old Apollo guys uh, have, have been contacted. I'm sure they have. But, you know, we've got four people alive who have walked on the moon. Are they being used in and being asked what it's like to walk and work on the moon? You'd, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? You'd like to think that, uh, that that's happening. That would be cool. I'd like to see one of them hanging out with, like, Charlie Duke or something uh, exactly. like that. Exactly. I hope, I hope he's in there. Yeah, me too. And Charlie's... Uh, I haven't seen him since last year's Space Fest, but he's still got it. He's still fit, and he's he's still sharp, so he could definitely help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. Anyway, this is uh, this has been a great chat. I've got a massive smile on my face. I'm so excited by this. So uh, let's wrap that up there. And from the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. That's all we've got time for this week. We hope our journalism skills have met your requirements as we've tried to find out a little more about the Artemis astronauts. I certainly have had fun finding out more about them. Uh, they're a group of incredible people and they've got some fantastic years coming up. What a time to be alive! Yes, I'm hoping that once uh, it gets off the ground, we can be there to see them get off the ground. Oh, I mean, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. And also, don't forget, if you're one of our uh, Patreon subscribers, we've got the Tim Peake book giveaway uh, taking place this week. Be sure to log in to find out more. Uh, a space book giveaway, you say? What What are you waiting for? Go, go, go. Uh, but most of all, <laughs> thank you for listening. And if you've enjoyed the show, please consider hitting that share button. But remember, in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.